This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 Zoomer Radio. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. He is the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf ever. He skated gracefully and magically. Number 14 in the blue and white is forever etched in the collective memories of a generation. He is David Keon, and welcome to our David Keon Tribute Hour. I am thrilled and honored to tell you that sitting right next to me now is David Michael Keon himself. David, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. It's great to have you. Also, of course, my co-host, Naz Marchese. And uh, he found his way back to our studio this morning, Lou Franceschetti, former Toronto Maple Leaf. Good morning, Lou, and good morning, Naz. Morning, Wally. When am I going to get co-host here? I'm almost on as much as you guys are. (laughs) Well, we'll have a nice chat about your financial obligations after the show. (laughs) Good morning, Wally. Good morning, Naz. Uh, Very, very briefly, David, it was uh, was an incredible evening last night. Uh, It was an incredible evening for the fans of which uh, I count myself as one, and I know Naz counts himself as one, and so does Lou. And it was a tremendous outpouring of emotion. Um, What did it mean to you, David? It was very nice to come back and uh, be recognized with with Turk and with Tim, and uh, I thought it was... uh, just a tremendous evening. I thought it, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know if you've been uh, reading the local uh, press uh, in, in the area lately, but uh, there's been a lot of speculation. Um, you know, you've been, you've been away. You have, you know, quite frankly, you haven't been away. I mean, that's what gets lost in this story, uh, that you, you have come back quite a few times when there have been team events. But there's been a lot of speculation, and, and I just wanted to ask you, last night, you were here. Was it for you? Was it for your wife? Was it for your family? Was it for your kids? Was it for your grandkids? What was it for? I guess it was a combination of all of those things. Um, I think that uh, probably too much has been made of the fact that, you know, I haven't been around, but I have been around. Have been around. I've, I've come to games and I've I was at a game with Mr. Stavros when he was alive. I saw them play against St. Louis in the playoffs. I've come back for an alumni game. Uh, and then I came back for the uh, reunions. And uh, I live 2,000 miles away, so it's, you know, <laughs> it's not you, easy. You, you don't just get in the car and drive around the block and be in town. How much does this mean to your family? I think it's, it's meant a lot to my family. I think they're very, very happy that, that it happened. 
David, do you follow the Leaf situation now in the past years, uh, their play, their um, their efforts on the ice? What the Leafs aren't the big, and uh, the Panthers right now are very big at home. They're okay. playing very well, and they're on the front page of the newspaper, which is oh, wow. which is uh, a tribute to Dale and and what he's done with the team. I can I see Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night occasionally, and you know they usually talk about the Leafs or the Canadians or the Canadian teams, and uh, there's a little update on on what they're doing. How is hockey in Florida? It's uh, with the way the team is playing. It's a little bit on the upswing, which is oh, wow. which is good. That's good, David. I wanted to. Um, one thing I've always ad, uh, admired about you is you, you're, you're always. Uh, for you, it's always been more about the team than about yourself, and uh, you've been a great teammate. Um, and last night, uh, you know, it wasn't just it just it wasn't just a tribute to David Keon. It was a tribute to two other fine gentlemen. Walter Turk Broda, and a friend of yours, fellow St. Mike's grad, a teammate, and also uh, a gentleman that passed away tragically. And you, were, you, if correct me if I'm wrong, you were actually the last person that, uh, or one of the last people actually saw him. Tim Horton. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that was tragic. That was tragic. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit about Tim Horton. Well, he was just a special guy. He was a great player. Um, I don't think he got the recognition nearly that he should have because he could, he could, he could do it all. And uh, but uh, he, uh, you know, he was kind of a self-effacing guy. He didn't, he didn't go out and look for accolades. He just wanted to play and enjoy it and and do his job. But uh, he was tremendous. And and uh, his daughter seemed to. Uh I uh, really enjoyed talking about her dad last night. Oh, she did. And, yes, she and, did. and one of the most, I'll tell you, David, I, you know, we were at that press conference in between the uh, first and the second period. And, um, you know, it, I thought the most poignant moment in that press conference is when you turned over to Tim Horton's daughter and said, and I think you sort of scolded her a little bit and said, uh, <laughs> your dad would have. Would have would have set you straight or something like that. Oh, yeah. He's mad at you. I think your dad was mad at you. Told me he was mad at you. Yeah. So certainly that was uh, certainly some tremendously fond memories of. Uh, and I did. I saw him on the way into the game. We were playing Buffalo, and um, they were six points behind us, and coming down to the end of the season and if they beat us that night they were going to be four points behind them and we were walking down from the parking lot and I saw him as walking in and he had uh, he had a broken jaw and he was in a lot of pain and I said have you been to the to the hospital to the doctor he said no I'll go tomorrow uh, I said is it hurting he said yeah it hurts he was taking medication and then after the game, my sister and I were walking up, and he was looking for his family, and he couldn't find him. So we walked up to the parking lot, and I told him I'd, I'd see him in a, in a couple of weeks, and that was the last time I saw him. Certainly left, uh, certainly left an incredible legacy behind. And uh, Lou, I want to get you involved in the show uh, at this point. I know oh, that you, you. We, we chatted last night, and uh, you wanted to ask David about, uh, about a certain individual that, uh, that, uh, that coached David. Yeah, I was just wondering about the the, the mystique and the, sorry, the, the dictatorship that we have heard over the years about Punch Him Like, like how was it playing for him? I know 
uh, I know from reading the articles and talking to, to the Big M for a couple of times that I see him, is that uh, he was a man with an iron fist, and, and obviously he tried to get through to the Big M, but at times he really couldn't go get through to him because the Big M was more or less of a laid-back kind of a sleeping giant. Punch had no idea how to handle Frank. Everybody was handled the same way, and that's really, really the unfortunate part about it. If he if he had have been able to handle him a little bit differently, uh, who knows what, what Frank could have done. But it was all iron-fisted. And, of course, in those days, you know, there were six teams, and uh, you basically didn't have any rights. When you signed the contract, you were bound to them, and if you didn't want to do what they wanted you to do, you were down in Rochester. And uh, So it, it was... Um, I don't know if Punch was alive, if he would have said, maybe I could have done something different with Frank. I hope that he would say that, you know, if he had a chance to look back on it. But I never thought he handled Frank very well. Well, obviously, you know, with him going to Detroit and scoring, I think, 50, 50 goals, goals there. Yeah. And then and he went to Montreal. And went to a couple of Stanley Cups. Yeah. And then at the end there, going to the Toros. I just thought he was just a kind of guy that just let him play and do whatever he had to do because he – from watching the games that I can remember, he could dominate a game at any time. That any time he wanted yeah. to. Yeah. And he was strong as a horse. He was too. big. Like, and no, nobody would mess with him. And obviously with him and George and, and Timmy. And I've heard stories through Mike Pollock about Timmy Horton, how strong he was that he'd, uh, in L.A., I guess he'd hang some guys over by the by his feet over the balcony. <laughs> Don't talk about that. <laughs> David, after the 67 Stanley Cup team, did you feel they at least were getting close to Stanley Cup again and at any time between 67 and 75? Yeah, I thought we had a chance one time in uh, 1971 when um, Montreal won. It, I thought it broke really well for us. We didn't have to play Boston, who we, for whatever reason, we did poorly against. Montreal played them and beat them, and we played the Rangers. And uh, I thought they made a mistake not playing Bernie Perrant the whole series. He played the second... We should have won the first two games in New York. We split. We came home and won, and then we lost the next three. But I thought that time we had a chance because we played well against Chicago and we played well against Montreal. And I thought we would have had a chance. We're talking to David Keon uh, in our uh, the Nazimali Sports Hour, David Keon Tribute Hour. Uh, we're just going to go to break at this point in time. I'm just going to tell you what's coming on uh, the rest of the show. Right after the break, uh, we have an interview with Scotty Bowman. We had asked Scotty to come on the show this morning, but uh, unfortunately he was not available. So we taped the interview on Friday on The Happy Gang, which is the uh, franchise show here on uh, Monday to Friday. So it was on the air on Friday if you missed it. Uh, we're going to replay the uh, our Scotty Bowman interview. He's got some very, very... Complimentary comments about you, David, and uh, thrilled. And uh, later on in the hour, we'll be talking to a good friend of yours, Harry Neal, Hall of Fame broadcaster. And uh, we'll be talking to Eugene Melnick. The, uh, of course, there's a St. Michael connection there between you and Eugene, and we're gonna, we want to talk a little bit about St. Michael's College School and the influence that it had on you. So we'll be going to break, and we'll be right back with Scotty Bowman. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked me to introduce their new fast dial number just for cell phones by singing it. <clears throat> pound three six three six. No. Pound three six three six. No. Come on, baby, pound three six three six. Ooh, ooh. Come on, baby, pound three six three six. <laughs> That's got a ring to it. 
Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Hey, Scotty. How are you doing this morning? Good. Very good. 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 Uh, we spoke uh, a couple of days ago about uh, David Keon, and you were mentioning to me that uh, you coached against him in Peterborough when you coached there. What did you see in David Keon back then when, when you were playing against him? He was so good. That was, yeah. uh, that was, uh, that was a Montreal farm team, but uh, in Peterborough was, and uh, Toronto St. Michael's was the, the Leafs farm team. They already had these pro rights, but I, I passed the information along to the people that I worked for, how good he was in junior with St. Mike's. They had uh, the Draper twins, uh, also uh, the late Bruce Draper and his, and his brother Dave. They were twins that played on, on I think they played even on the same line as Dave, uh, Dave Keon, but uh, yeah, he you know, it was 58-59 was my first year junior, and then he played also up to 59-60, and I'll tell you a quick story. 
Uh, Dave, after St. Mike's got knocked out in the 59-60 playoffs, they pulled they pulled him up. Uh, the Leafs had a, a bit of a working agreement with a team in the Eastern Pro League. Uh, it was uh, a team in Sudbury, and they brought him up, and they had a seven a long seven-game series. I forget the opponent, but for some reason, they only played Dave in four of the games. He scored a couple of goals, but uh, the coach of the team... For whatever reason, uh, chose not to dress them a few of the games, but they got knocked out in the seventh game. But uh, you can look that up. And, and uh, he went right from there to the NHL the next year and won the Calder Rookie Award. So that's how good he was. Now, he, you could see he was exceptional, uh, terrific skater. Um, I, I haven't seen all the Toronto Maple Leaf players, but I did see them from the from the 50s on. Pretty, pretty uh, you know, I was pretty involved in hockey even then. After I finished junior, uh, I, I was, you know, interested in, I don't know a better Leaf. I, I really haven't seen one in the in the 65 years since that time. But uh, I got to know Dave. He's a wonderful man. And uh, I'm so pleased that uh, the uh, Discord has been this has been connected again. And uh, I think the Toronto fans that ever saw him play in the, in the 60s and 70s, especially the 60s, especially a uh, special player. Uh, Scotty, this is uh, Wally here. Um, uh, yeah. Looking at uh, uh, some research last night, and I noticed you, uh, a couple of years back, you rated uh, the top 100 Canadian hockey players of all time, and you had Dave Keon in at number 12. And, um, you know, there that's an exceptional, uh, you know, an exceptional rating. Uh, what made Dave Keon such a great hockey player? I mean, his offensive statistics... You know, weren't with the Lemuse and the Gretzkys and the Howes, but you've you've literally got him up that high with some of the greats of the game. What to, what made Dave Keon such a great hockey player in your estimation? Well, he was so underrated, a complete player. You know, when Dave came up with the Toronto uh, Montreal, still had the run at the ending of their five game rain, five uh, cup reign, and. Uh, he would have played in, and I remember those games very clearly. Uh, um, when he played Montreal Canadiens, who were still a powerhouse, even though they didn't win cups uh, in from from their five run until about five years later, they won more cups. You know, they, they won. The Leafs won the cup in '62, '63, '64, and then Montreal went on to win in '65, '66, Toronto '67, and Canadians again in '68, '69. I was in St. Louis by then. But, you know, Montreal, uh, the strength of the Canadians was their center ice with uh, John Bellevue and Henri Richard. And, uh, you know, Dave, Dave was the, the the Leafs center that had to play against either one of those two. He played a lot of his career when they played Montreal, like 14 times uh, in those early 60s. Uh, he played a lot of his career against John Bellevue. And then, you know, you'd have Alex Delvecchio, uh, certainly a great player with the, with the Red Wings uh, in Detroit, and they were still a pretty good team. So, you know, he just was so good, so dependable, uh, killed penalties, playing on the power play. He was a complete player. And uh, I think what made him so good was his, uh, well, he had a sixth sense. You know, those players that have, they just, they, they see the ice. They, they get their next play coming, uh, figured out uh, his vision. But I, I think overall it was his skating. Effortless, tireless skater. In those days, of course, you know, they played about three times on the ice. They played about a minute and a half to two minutes. Now they play 40 seconds. It was a faster game now. We know that. But Dave Dave could. It seemed like he could skate all night. 
that was, I mean, he, he just was, uh, I think they used to call him a whirling dervish. That was a, a <laughs> that was two words they used about him because he was, he darted in and out. Um, you know, he, he was such a strong player for those three straight cups. And he won four cups, of course, but he won three in a row. And a great playoff player. Uh, but they, no, Dave had uh, the the, uh, the tough job of playing against really good players, you know. Uh, Chicago had a great player in Stan Makita who would play against them, Dave Keon, you know. So all the good centers uh, of, of that era, that was the task that Punch Emelak used to, uh, to to win a lot of to win a lot of games. And Dave was the he was the real cornerstone of their of their defensive game, their attack. Uh, maybe the stats didn't measure up to some of those guys, but clutch clutch player. And uh, just a guy, and I talked to him after his career. I used to meet him somewhere after he had retired from uh, the Whalers. He played up till he was forty years old. You imagine that at that time. Yeah. And uh, he he would always, if you talk hockey with this guy, even though he kept up and watching games, I always enjoyed meeting him and talking about the league and asking him questions. And he was right up to it. I don't know if he stayed up, but but. That would be in the 80s after he retired. And he played for Hartford, I think, up till he about 80, 81. So, you know, um, he's, he, I think Dave was born in 1940. So, yeah, just a great, great person, but a, a wonderful player. Uh, I used to kid him. I said, the only thing happened that was wrong with you, Dave. You didn't play for Montreal. He grew up in uh, Naranda, Quebec. And uh, I, know, I know at the time, because after I finished with Peterborough, I became a, a, a scout, and, uh, you know, Dale Talon's dad, Stan, the late Stan Talon, scouted for me. And, uh, he just missed him. Uh, when he was playing up in Miranda in minor hockey, uh, the Leafs had a scout, Bob Davidson, the late Bob Davidson. He was a terrific scout. And they uh, they convinced uh, Dave and his family to, you know, to get him down to the St. Mike's. And if you signed with St. Mike's uh, or the Marlboros, you, you were a Toronto Maple Leaf, and that, that, that's uh, what happened to Dave. But... Uh, yeah, uh, I, I could go on for, for hours talking about this guy because uh, I haven't seen uh, anybody that I uh, really admired as much as Dave Keon. Sports are that, of course, was our taped interview with the legendary uh, coach, Scotty Bowman. Some pretty kind words, David. Uh, your reaction? Well, it was very nice of Scotty. I um Played against uh, the teams that he coached from uh, 1958, I guess, until I don't know if he was coaching when I retired. I don't think so, but he was in Buffalo. He was, he was in, in Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. yeah, I was in WHA there when he was in Buffalo. But he was in St. Louis, and he had good teams in St. Louis. And he went back to Montreal, and uh, yeah, he was very successful. We're talking, of course, to David Michael Keon, who. Uh, uh, was inducted into Legends Row at the Air Canada Centre in a, certainly an incredible ceremony last night. David, there is a yellow brick building at Bathurst and St. Clair. It, uh, it is where you really started your career in Toronto. It is, of course, the infamous St. Michael's College. The motto of St. Michael's College is teach me goodness, discipline, and knowledge. And, of course, there's a certain, certain individuals there that were influential in your career as a hockey player and in, I guess influential in your development as a person, Father David Bauer and Bob Goldham. Your, uh, 
your recollection of your days at St. Michael's College School and uh, how important it was to you in your life. Well, that was a great... You know, I was there for four years. I went when I was 16 and I left when I was 20. It was a great, great, great experience. I met a lot of uh, people, played with guys, and we've remained friends to this day and we see each other um, every summer. And it's uh, it was... Fun on so many levels, and and Saint Saint Mike's is, was um, I know for today in these days too because my son my son's a graduate of Saint Mike's. It's more than just about hockey, isn't it? Certainly, it's about uh, well. Back then, hockey was a part of it. I don't think hockey so much at a minor level. It's it's still there, but the junior A's are not there anymore. But back then, it was school and uh, and sports, and there was football. There was. Uh, basketball and there was hockey. December 14th, 2008 was a special day in your life. Uh, your St. Mike's jersey, number nine, was oh, retired. Yeah. And uh, one of the gentlemen that was very, very instrumental, if not uh, responsible for that, is joining us now in the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Of course, that is Eugene Melnick, the owner of the Ottawa Centers. Eugene, are you with us? Yes, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Eugene. First of all, I want to ask, on behalf of all our listeners and on behalf of uh, David, how is your health, Eugene? Oh, you know, wonderful. I'm at uh, 150%. I'm better than I was uh, a year and a half ago. So it's, um, it's great. I'm uh, eating well. I'm pu- trying to put on muscle because, again, I lost so much weight. Uh, but, uh, no, absolutely great. Thank you. Eugene, uh, sitting right next to me to my left here is a man that, uh, you admire. We, we chatted about him the other day and, uh, you were a huge fan of his, uh, uh, well, you know, as, as an owner at, uh, influential in bringing back the, uh, franchise St. Mike's, but also when you were younger in your younger days, uh, you had a couple of say, a couple of David Keon posters in your bedroom first of all uh, take the opportunity to say good, good say hello to your good friend and tell us a little bit about uh, your admiration for david keon sure dave uh, good morning how are you i'm fine eugene how are you oh i'm great thank you good nice Unfortunately, to... i couldn't be up and uh, and enjoy the snowstorm but uh listen i um it's it's great talking to you and um it, it's just wonderful that uh, they were able to honor you in toronto for uh, everything you've done and, you know, you've molded more careers than you'd ever dream of. And uh, uh, I hope people tell you that because, yes, you were one of the two posters as a kid I grew up with. And uh, you were plastered all over my wall. And I think Mick Jagger uh, was the other one, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I, think oh, you told, exactly. I think you told me that once. No, no, no. It was Alice Cooper. But, uh, oh, oh, Cooper. Okay. That's even better. No, seriously, it was uh, you and Bobby Orr were my heroes and then eventually Tony Esposito but uh, that's the, the all the different um, uh, uh, positions you know I played but I, I went to save Mike's because of hockey it was like the famous place my brothers went there I went there and it was all because it was part of that Maple Leaf system and uh, you know what you're dreaming about is one day being Dave Keon and um, I ended up in uh, house league and I did well there but I never made the team, and I uh, saw that you. I didn't realize you played for the Buzzers. Actually, if you go back, back in 1956. And, yeah, back you were 17 or something, oh, and then uh, moved on into the majors, and uh, the rest is history. And uh, just uh, it's a great honor when we uh, were able to retire your jersey, and um, 
you know, that day, I don't know if we won that day or not, but I think we we may have. You did win. But uh, we did. Yeah, we? you did. Okay, yeah. Good. You beat Kingston. But, <laughs> but uh, again, it's just, uh, it was it was really great. I mean, I was your typical Canadian kid that uh, Saturday nights, we'd all huddle together after spending 12 hours on the ice in the backyard and uh, sit down for hockey night in Canada and watch you play. I mean, that was the focus. And, um those were great days, and I, th- I think hockey's advanced uh, a lot, but um, those old days are still, the, I think, the best days. Well, that was a lot of fun, and uh, going to St. Michael's was a lot of fun, too. I, uh, I, th- I look back on those four years as some of the best four years of my life. You know, they probably still have the same lockers that you and I used they might they might they don't have yeah. uh, they don't have the residences anymore where we stayed I heard yeah I know but it's um, yeah anybody that has gone through St. Mike's I think they'll tell you the same thing there's just something special about the place it really is and um, you know you, just, you come out of there with, with probably with some of the best attitudes and when they talk about the motto uh, it's true you want to excel you want to be kind you want to be good at the end of the day, good versus evil is is drilled into you, and uh, you walk out, I think, a better person. Well, and, sir. Um, just hockey, just, you know, uh, I think, Dave, you were, you know, th- what everybody said was the kind of the, the, what you wanted to be. You wanted to excel to be a Dave Keon, a hockey player, a, uh, I don't know how good of a student you were. I wasn't that great. But, uh, I uh, I look back on that, and I could have been a better student. You know what? For two guys that weren't the best students, you two guys did pretty well in your lives. Congratulations. Yeah, we're one of those uh, uh, you know outliers. That um, see, I yeah, I just uh, it didn't interest me at all. Now it's all interesting. But um, <laughs> uh, hockey was our universe, and that's what we did, and we you know to the max. And um, uh, where, by the way, where did you live? I lived in uh, Tweedsmere House my first year. I think that was gone when you got there. And there was the, the other house, which was right beside the school, which became the, um, I think it became the uh, shop or something when they uh, stopped, yes. stopped yes. taking borders. That's, that's correct. And it was also, it turned into the music studio. Yes, yes. That's over the arena. Not, now it is, I think, but back then it was the music uh, music studio eugene i'm gonna i'm gonna have to let you go we've got uh, we've got some other things uh, we've got to get on to in the show listen we 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 thoroughly we thoroughly appreciate uh, you taking the time for us this morning i'm sure uh, we we appreciate you coming on and and uh, and uh, giving your kind thoughts about uh, uh, i know a man you admire and a man that we admire here as well and, and we can only continue to wish you the best of health and uh, Hopefully we chat again soon. Great. Well, thank you. And Dave, all the best to you. And your Thanks, family. Eugene. Same and, to you. Uh, congratulations yep. again. Take care, Take care of yourself guys. now. Of course, that was I will. Thank you. Eugene, Thanks, uh, Eugene Melnick, owner of the uh, Ottawa Senators. Uh, certainly St. Mike's a special place. Uh, I, you know, what, what is it about? Is it, I mean, the bazillion fathers do. And, uh, There's not many bazillion fathers now, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, if you're a St. Mike's guy, you're a St. Mike's guy. And they all... They call them St. Mike's men. Yeah, that's what guy, they call them. You're a guy. Yeah, once you once you've worn that blue jacket and uh, once you've gone through there, you carry it the rest of your life, yeah. don't you? You do that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Naz. Well, I want to get back to the uh, the um, the fact that Scotty Bowman was talking about uh, the early junior days. 
Uh, how, how young were you when you played junior? I was 16 when I played junior B, and then when I played junior A, I was, I was 17 to 20. In your clip last night uh, at uh, ACC, they said that you had uh, belonged to Detroit, or Detroit had signed you or they something? They did. I was uh, on their, I was on a, some kind of a list with the Red Wings when I was 12. They had me on a list. 12 um, years old, wow. And I was playing mm, midget. Uh, and then when I turned 15, I was going to play juvenile. And because I was 15, I could go and play with any team I wanted. There's a, not a flaw, but there's a, a loophole there. That, that if, you, I, if I was good enough to play juvenile at 15, I could play for any team I wanted. So I, I went and played for an, another team. And uh, the coach of that team was a, a Leaf scout. And uh, when I signed and the goaltender signed, uh, the, the Leaf sponsored the team, paid $1,000 to sponsor David, the team. I asked Daryl Sittler this question. And uh, did you ever have aspirations to be involved in hockey after, playing the, after your playing days? I asked him if he had any aspirations to be a GM or a coach in the NHL. What's your answer to that? No, I, I didn't. I was a player. Uh, and uh, I, I might have uh, looked at being an assistant coach. I didn't want to be a head coach. But I, being an assistant coach, but uh, no, it never materialized. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. It's our tribute hour to David Keon. And David, we now have on the phone a gentleman who claims that he's a friend of yours. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame broadcaster. He's He's been on our show a few times. He's uh, certainly... Got a sense of humor, and uh, he, he does claim, and he's, uh, you have a history with, of course, Harry Neal. Harry Neal, uh, uh, you've known for a long time, in fact, coached you in the WHA with the Minnesota Fighting Saints, if my memory serves me correct. That's correct. He, he called me and asked me if I'd come and play in Minnesota. Harry, uh, Harry, are you there? I am. Good morning, Harry. Thanks for joining us. Uh, certainly an incredible evening last night. Uh, it's something we talked about. Uh, on our show back last time we had you on, we chatted about David Keon, and uh, you know we've had uh, it's been a cause of this show for the for a while to see David Keon on Legends Row, and it's finally come to pass. I will turn it over to you so you can catch up a little bit with uh, with David. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Harry. How are you? Well, I'm still on the right side of the grass. That's At my age, that's an achievement. That's important. <laughs> Well, it was a beautiful ceremony last night, and I'm delighted that you and the Leafs have repaired your situation to some degree, and I'm looking forward to be present when they <clears throat> bring out the statue. Well, that's, that's very nice of you, Harry. We've, we've known each other for 100 years and <laughs> talked about a lot of things, and uh, last night was, was a special night for, for me and my wife and for uh, David and Anne-Marie and and uh, their grand and my grandkids. So right. I was happy well, was to be well there, done. and uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Harry, uh, when we chatted uh, the other day, uh, uh, I don't know if you promised or if you threatened to tell us uh, an interesting David Keon story. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, tell us tell us something that are tell us something that you can say over the air, but and that our listeners would find uh, find touching, humorous, or uh, Interesting. 
Well, I don't know whether I can think of any specific ones. Certainly, uh, we spent a lot of time together. Uh, I, I have forgiven him for playing for St. Mike's because I was at Marlboro's and we had a great rivalry. I was a little too old to play against Dave, but I watched him come up and, of course, play for the Leafs. And David, Billy Harris, Mike Alec, and myself uh, formed the Harris Keon Hockey School, and we ran hockey clinics all over the place in the United States and Canada. And two big ones, one at York University and one at Ridley College. So Dave and I spent a lot of time together before I got the terrific opportunity to talk him into coming to Minnesota and then coaching him again in Hartford. And I've often said, uh, and it's, it's, it's a futile argument, because when you try and pick out the best players who ever played, whether it's with a team or not, there's always three or four of them. But I really think David was the best all-around player the Toronto Maple Leafs have ever had. And I thought that before I coached him and after I coached him, I was absolutely sure of it. Harry, uh, you spent some time in the uh, WHA and Minnesota Fighting Saints uh, with uh, with David. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about those years, and, and David, your recollections of uh, going from the NHL to the WHA. Well, we had a real good group of guys in the, for Minnesota, and you know you got to remember back when uh, uh, the the WHA, WHA started, uh, we paid the players more money to jump and the teams paid the players more money not to jump. And so we had a lot of good players, and Dave Keon's a good example of <clears throat> a premier NHLer who came over and played for a few years in the WHA. And, you know, the WHA is something that the current players ought to be very thankful for because it was the first uh, uh, rise of any consequence in salaries uh, because there was all of a sudden another place to play. And, you know, if you saw the list of players who played in the NHL after they played in the WHA, Gretzky was one of them. You can see what I mean. So, to, and, ha- to, and Harry too, the uh, the quality of hockey was 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 quite good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. if you take the Winnipeg Jets and uh, when when they won, I think the year they won, they could have played in the in the NHL at that time and and been very successful because they they brought a, a new style of hockey. Uh, to North America with all the Swedish players they had. They really stretched the ice, and it was it was very hard to play against them, and uh, it took a while to catch up. Yeah, it did, and there's no question about the fact that uh, I'm not saying the whole league was better, but certain teams, and Hartford was one that you and I were on, and the Minnesota one was better than some of the NHL teams. As a matter of fact, in Hartford, we played a couple of preseason games against NHL teams and did all right with a WHA lineup. So it was an underestimated league, and it's uh, too bad it couldn't have possibly uh, uh, lasted longer, but it did, and it gave a lot of players, especially some young ones, because in those days in the NHL, you couldn't turn pro till you were 20. Your junior career was over. Well, we took them in the WHA at 18, so we got some good young players who started their pro career in the WHA, and then, they, of course, they... Their rights were owned by NHL teams, and when the WHA started to fall apart and before the mer- little merger they had, uh, these guys, some of them, and Gretzky, I use Gretzky and Messier for two good examples of guys who ended up playing pretty good in the National Hockey League after getting their start in the WHA. Harry, uh, you, were, uh, you were privileged to coach three guys at the same time, Gordie Howe, Bobby Hull, and David Keon. Well, I never coached Bobby Hull. I coached against him. Yeah. 
But uh, to have Holland, uh, Howe and Keon on the same team, I mean, you could argue that they are, uh, and with some legitimacy, they are the two of the best players that ever played the game, never mind play. And Gordy played when Dave and I played with him in Hartford. Gordy turned 50 that year. And uh, uh, still, I, I don't know whether he led our team in scoring, but he was up there among the top three. Mm-hmm. And uh, his passion for the game, and this is one characteristic Dave had too, passion for the game was unbelievable. And they passed it on to many of their teammates. And we had two good groups of players, one in Minnesota uh, and uh, probably a little more skilled one in Hartford in the WHA. David, uh, tell us a little bit about the, those Hartford teams. With uh, how was it? You know, I know that Gordy Howe was always one of your, I don't know, favorite players, but one of the players you thought was one of the best players you ever played against. Uh, he certainly was a force out there. Uh, you played with Bobby Hall and uh, Howe, and uh, certainly, uh, certainly, uh, an interesting group of players. Well, Gordy came in uh, '77, '78 with Mark and Marty, and. Uh, uh, Bobby ha- Harry had gone to Vancouver when Bobby came. It was our first year in the NHL, and Bobby came and played uh, th- the last three quarters of the season with us. So that was that was that was kind of exciting. We played together as a line a couple of games, and uh, it wasn't bad. It was the oldest line I guess that <laughs> hockey has ever seen. But Gordy was um, Gordy was a phenomenal specimen. You know, to to do what he did, you had to be as strong as he was, and. Uh, Playing with, uh, you know, playing with his two sons, that was that was really important to him. And uh, and Mark, Mark was, Mark was as, you know, almost almost as good as his father. He was that good. Absolutely. A player. And I think Harry will vouch for that. Yeah, no most underrated that. player was Mark Howe. He was a tremendous player, oh, David. He could skate and he could shoot. Anyways, Harry, listen, we want to thank you. We've got to move on. Uh, it's, it's, we really appreciate it once again, taking the time to come on and, of course, uh, uh, chat a little bit with, uh, with an old friend of yours, or, uh, David Keon. Thanks so much. David? All Harry, right. Harry, I'll talk to you about Boulder. I'll call you. Yeah, we're going to go for fishing for the summer, and we're going to warn the fish before we go because we're going to catch <laughs> most of them. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good time. Uh, have a good time, guys. Thanks, right, Harry. Thank you. Harry, always, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Uh, that, of course, was Harry Neal, uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster. I wanted to go back uh, to the 60s Leafs, David. And um, last time we chatted, um, you made an interesting comment uh, that I'd never, I'd never really thought about it. And... Um, you said that that team possibly uh, could have won seven straight cups. We had the, we had the opportunity. We could have won in. Did from, you, won, you won three straight. We won three straight. We could have won the year before. Uh, John got hurt late in the season. I think Howie Young ran him, and he was hurt, and he wasn't able to play in the playoffs. But we had finished, I think, uh, just a couple of points out of first place, and Detroit beat us out. And then Chicago beat out uh, Montreal. That was Montreal's first playoff loss in five years. And uh, uh, then we won the next couple of years. And I think uh, there was a cumulative effect of uh, how hard he worked us, and everybody just got just got real tired. And and we lost the next couple. And then in '67. We struggled during the year, 
And he got, Punch got sick and Clancy took over and he coached us for, oh, three weeks or maybe a little bit more. And uh, he brought, a, and we were struggling. We lost uh, 10 games in a row. We went 10 games without winning. And um, uh, Clancy came and kind of brought a little bit of fresh air in and it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't a grind the way it was with Punch. And we kind of turned it around and, uh, when the playoffs came, we played good for a month. That's all. Then that's all you had to do was play good for a month. You, now it's two months, and that's that's a lot harder. <laughs> a couple of the interviews I've uh, I've uh, I've seen with um, seen you in, you always talk about um, the definition of a successful season is always obviously winning the Stanley Cup. But it was almost it's even more special if you beat the Montreal Canadiens. Well, if you look at it from 1956 to 1987, I think, if the Montreal Canadiens were in the Stanley Cup Finals, they lost twice. And we beat them once. And I always, if you're going to win, you've got to beat the best. David, your most memorable game as a Leaf. My most memorable game as a Leaf. I guess... Uh, the seventh game in Montreal in the 64, in the, in the semifinals. We won 3-1, and I got all three goals. Yeah, and uh, Montreal, the Montreal people picked the three stars, and you got the third star. You should have been the first, <laughs> second, and third. No, the, they, the they goaltenders were very good. John played really great, and, uh, and Charlie Hodge played well. Who are your, uh, from your, from your uh, time with the Leafs during the 60s, um, um, those teams tended to keep stay together for a long period of time. I guess, you know, you, they, they became close groups. Who are who from those from that era? Who are still your close friends? Oh, Frank is and and, and Dick Duff, and Bob Nevin, uh, Bob Bond. Um, uh, let's see, John Bauer and George. I talk to George periodically. And how often do you have regular gatherings, regular alumni golf tournaments? How uh, no. No, I see uh, Frank and uh, and Duffy. We when we have our fifty seven fifty eight reunion, uh, Frank usually comes and, and Duffy comes sometimes. So, you know, once a St. Mike's guy, you're always you're the always the St. Mike's guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> Davey, let's get back to the, this this era right now. Obviously, being down in Florida and hearing all this uh, stuff with uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning, with the Steven Stamkos deal, and also uh, a new story coming out now with uh, Jonathan Druin from the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, when was the last team you've actually heard? Or how would you handle a situation where a third pick overall, a 20-year-old 20 kid, comes to your franchise and says, well, listen, I'm not playing a lot. I want to be traded. How would you guys have handled it? And obviously, you, you said earlier in our conversation that uh, with six teams, if you didn't play well or if you didn't get along with Punch, He'd send you down to Rochester, and oh, that's where you automatic. were. Yeah, you're you're buried down there. How would things hand, be handled back then with uh, with these players nowadays that more or less are, are grown up with a silver spoon in their mouth? Well, you you know, you go to camp and uh, see see what you did. You get a chance to play, maybe not even a good chance, and then you're the team is kind of picked, and then the other team is kind of picked, and you might be going to Rochester, and you'd be down there trying to play hoping that somebody got hurt in Toronto so that you get called up. And uh, I think um, 
I don't think he's been served very well by the advice that he's got. I know he's been hurt, and he hasn't really played all that much. And the, you know, he I think he played in the playoffs last year, and then he might might have got hurt. Uh, they have a good team, so it's not like he's playing for a team that's at the bottom, and he's playing a lot. He's going to have to earn his time, and he. I guess I would say he's got to be improving his skills. David, you know, uh, one of the things at the press conference that uh, I was really impressed with was your story on uh, how you got number 14. Can you tell (laughs) that? Because I was laughing so hard. Uh, Well, the first exhibition game I played, I I wore number eight, which was Larry Regan's, and he had been a starting center uh, the year before. Uh, the next game I had number 24, and I wore that the rest of the training camp, and I had a good training camp. And I went to Bob Haggart, and I said, if I play, if I stay, can I have 24? And he said, no, you can't have 24. You're going to have 14. And I knew from watching the Leafs while I was at school and going to games, that number 14 was saved for the guys that came up from Rochester for a couple of games or a week or 10 days, and then they went back down and they took 14 away and gave it to the next guy who came up. And I thought if I got 14, that was a was not a good omen. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was wrong, right? Well, it turned well, out all right. That, that <laughs> certainly worked out. Davey, right. how's your handicap with you? Uh, you? You said earlier that you and Dale Talon get together. Like who's, oh, I haven't played with who, Dale. Who's, who's the skin? Oh, no, Dale, Dale, Dale's very good. Dale's very good. He was on the he was on the Canadian he was. Uh, Junior Tour at one yeah. time, if I'm not so mistaken. He's a, he was a, he's, a, he's a boy from Naranda. Do you share stories with him <laughs> on, on the golf course? No, I haven't played with Dale for a while. Oh, haven't you? Yeah, uh, we my brother and I were down uh, last year to see them at the end of. The, we went down to practice and saw him and spent some time with him. And uh-huh. He's uh, he's doing a great job. He's got a, a really good sense of what they have to do to get better and. It's uh, it's it seems to be happening, and I'm really really happy for him. David, there's uh, you, you you watch hockey today, and um, and we've talked we've talked on the show quite a bit. There's one player in the NHL that uh, reminds us so much of you, and uh, I've always said he's one of the top two players in the NHL. Um, Jonathan Taves. I enjoy watching him play. He's a he's, he's a he's a great hockey player. Yes. And your thoughts on Jonathan Tapes? Well, he, uh, I think he's a great player. He he works hard, and he drags the when when things aren't going well for the Blackhawks, he drags them along with him. And he works in both ends of the rink. And uh, he's a good sized guy. He can do it all. If they want to fight, he'll fight, and he'll do whatever it takes to win. And um, any other players in the uh, in the NHL today that you really enjoy watching that you consider special players? Oh, Patrick Kane is a special player. I mean, he's got marvelous skills, and uh, when he has the puck, it's it's marvelous. Anyone else? Uh, let me see. No, I can't think of anybody right off the top of my head. Uh, Ovechkin, t- Ovechkin, Ovechkin is Ovechkin is very exciting. We talked earlier that uh, you know you had retired to Florida, and uh, remember you told a story you'd gotten in, yourself involved in minor hockey in Florida. Tell us, uh, I, yeah. you took you took a team to the to the state title. Uh, we had a squirt team that I was assistant coach. I coached for three years. I had the kids, and uh, they were a roller hockey team. And it took me six weeks to get them to learn to stop on ice. 
And once we did that, we uh, we had some success, and uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, kids kids seemed to enjoy it, and they, for the most part, played because they wanted to play, and it was enjoyable. and uh, And I enjoyed it. How long did you do it for? Three years. Three years. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're of course listening to the. Uh, to David Keon on our tribute show, uh, David, we've got uh, we've got uh, just a few minutes left. Uh, three minutes left. We're getting the. Uh, we want to say how much uh, we've enjoyed having you. Of course, Legends Row. Uh, that ceremony is not finished. Um, there's going to be a statue uh, erected, and uh, you're going to be back in town. Uh, I guess back in if you're not back in town sooner, but. Uh, that's going to happen in October, from what we've been told. Yes, I. Uh, that's what they told me too. And so uh, I look sure forward you, to coming back for well, that. Well, we're we're certainly looking forward to attending that ceremony. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Naz now for some quick, uh, quick closing remarks, and to you, Lou, and then uh, I'll wrap it up. Well, I'll tell you what, David. You you, I say that you were the best were the best athlete Toronto has ever had. And that's you're the most popular guy. You don't realize how popular you are. There's a lot of people around that were waiting for this. And thank you. You made a lot of people happy, for sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that that happened. You know, I, I can't say enough about, uh, about the way he played. Uh, obviously, I was still a kid growing up watching, watching you in the Big M. I, my, the Big M was my idol, and friends of mine emulated the way you played so it was always a clash between myself and 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 them but you just the, the graceful way that, that you skated the way you played the game is the way the game should should be played and and back then uh it, there were dark days after you left and but i don't know i don't think there are enough words on on explaining or saying how much we appreciated watching you back then and being the 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 leaf uh and I'm glad that you're back now. And obviously, I still talk to your son and then the penalty box a few times. <laughs> but uh, thank you for coming back and, and making uh, making this franchise uh, where it is today. Well, thank you very much. It's, it was a, a wonderful weekend, and I'll I'll treasure it. David, we've got uh, I've got two more projects that I'm uh, they're important to me. Uh, one, uh, not just your sweater retired. I want to see all the. Uh, all the sweaters retired that are hanging from that banner, and I've sent that my thoughts on to uh, MLSC. I want to see all those sweaters retired. I think all the other NHL teams do it. I don't see any reason why the Toronto Maple Leafs don't do it. So I want to be there that night when uh, number 14 gets hung to the rafters. And uh, another personal project of mine is uh, I've submitted uh, a nomination to you to Canada Sports Hall of Fame. And... Uh, I think you deserve to be in that as well, and uh, hopefully that uh, that comes to pass. I'm going to finish this very, very, uh, I'm going to unabashedly probably embarrass you a little bit, David, but that's my privilege to do that on this show. And this is what I wrote in my nomination for you. Growing up in Canada, we played hockey in the rinks, on the ponds, and in the streets, and we wore number 14, and we dreamed we would grow up and beat Davy Keon. That dream is not forgotten by so many of us, and David Michael Keon will forever be a part of our childhood. The image of number 14 in the blue and white, of the Toronto Maple Leafs dashing all over the ice, which such fluidity and grace is forever etched in the collective memories of a generation. It really is. 
David, Naz and I didn't make it to the NHL. Louis did, though. Louis did. <laughs> uh, but today, in some ways, uh, Naz and I realized our dream. We interviewed David Keon. Thanks so much. Be well. Come back often. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure being here. To all our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this special tribute show to David Michael Keon. We'll be back again next Sunday morning, same time. Thank you so much. The Nat Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.